This individual has been seen on multiple occasions doing cocaine in public. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to another episode of the In My Own Words podcast. Round of applause, everybody. I am your host, Tony Sanders. I wonder if people actually clap when I say round of applause, everybody. I doubt it. I probably wouldn't. I probably, you know, it would be sweet. It would be endearing. If I saw that person live, I would probably clap. But anyway, round of applause. Don't just clap for me. Clap for yourself because you deserve it. Clap for you for hanging in there with me. I'm a little late with the podcast this week because I'm traveling. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see I'm not at home. This is not my normal setup. I tried to move some things around in my hotel room to try to, you know, make it look like something worth watching. Uh, but I wanted to get this podcast episode out to you guys because not only do I enjoy it, I know that you guys enjoy it from the feedback that I received. And so I appreciate that. A little bit of a different setup, like I said before. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I just got off a plane. I'm still in my travel clothes. This is how I travel, okay? I travel strictly for comfort. Matter of fact, let me show you. See this? This, this is what the feats look like right here, right? You know, and I just, I just do the slides because... TSA is going to make you take your shoes off anyway. If I can just slide them off, slide them back on real quick, that makes things easier. I never know what type of situation I'm going to be in on the plane. So I like to go with the sweatpants. And then I always bring a hoodie because sometimes it may be cold. Sometimes it may be hot. Back home where I left, it was 32 degrees and snowing. Here, it's like 60, 50 degrees. It's a little, little uptick. Um, we were up above the clouds, a lot of sun, super hot on the plane. Came below the clouds, super windy, no sun at all. So uh, thank you guys for joining me. A little bit late, but I promise you it'll be worth it. And I'm going to do some other things this week uh, on the podcast, so make sure you stay tuned. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, but first, let's talk about these uh, Popeye's chicken sandwiches. We got to talk about these chicken sandwiches. Uh, I heard these chicken sandwiches were to die for. Nope, too soon? Okay, my bad. My bad. <laughs> A little too soon. I get it. Um, I think it's ridiculous what's going on with these sandwiches. I got to be honest with y'all. First, I said, you know what? I'm not going to fall victim to the craze of the chicken sandwich. Um, and that was the first time they had them before they let them go. Uh, I saw my brother with one before it was, like, super popular. And I was like, yo, what is that? And he's like, it's a chicken sandwich from Popeye's. I was like, oh, that sounds dope. You should have told me you were going. I would have had you pick me up one. He's like, man, I didn't even know they had it, right? So then maybe the next day I went to go get one. and uh, Or maybe it, was, maybe it was the next week. I think it was the next week because when I went to go get some, they were out. And by that time, within that week's period of time, that seven-day period of time, it had gone crazy on Twitter, crazy on Instagram, it was the new craze. Everybody had to have this chicken sandwich. And so the store, the Popeye's by me, they're always out of stuff. Even before this, we would go and say, hey, let me get a spicy. We don't have no spicy chicken. Okay, well, let me get the regular chicken. No, um, we don't have any fries. Well, what do you have? <laughs> they were notorious for not having anything. If you live in Indianapolis, you know the Popeye's I'm talking about. It's the one on 86 of Michigan Road. They never have anything anyway. So it's no surprise to me at that time they didn't have a chicken sandwich. So I didn't get one at all until this week. I went and got one. And I'll say this. The hype around the chicken sandwich 
is actually creating the stir around the chicken sandwich. Let me explain what I mean. The night before, I was with my family. It was a Thursday night. We went to Chick-fil-A. My kids wanted Chick-fil-A. We went, got in line at Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A in my house is always busy. There's never a time where Chick-fil-A isn't busy. So we pull up to Chick-fil-A. They have their system of trying to move you through the line quickly. But it's still busy. It's always a little bit of a wait. We waited about 15 to 20 minutes from the point we got into the line to when we made our order to picking up our food and driving off. It was roughly about 20 minutes, right? The thing with the Popeye's chicken sandwich is when you go there, you already have in your mind, oh my goodness, this is going to be long. Now, the store that we have, because of how it's set up, you know, geographically, it's not the best for the drive through They didn't really plan. It's hard to explain, but they didn't really plan the drive through properly. So ever since the chicken sandwich came out, they shut off the drive through So if you want this sandwich, you actually have to go in to get this sandwich, right? So I go in, and you see the line is like snaked throughout the inside of the restaurant. And so already, before I got out the car, I'm not happy that I got to get out the car, number one. Number two, I already know it's about to be a long line. So I did it on a Friday where I didn't have anything to do for a few hours, right? I knew I was going to have a few hours of free time before I had to do anything. So I get into this line, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just observing people. That's one of my most favorite things to do. I'm a people watcher. I like to go out and observe people and just see how people move through different situations, and I wasn't going to miss this opportunity to watch how people moved around this chicken sandwich. If nothing else, for the content of this podcast, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I was watching. And so everything seemed pretty cool. Then a lady with a little girl comes in behind me. She hits the door and says, oh, Lord. I said, uh-oh, she's going to be that one. <laughs> she said, oh, my gosh. All y'all in here lined up for the chicken sandwich? And a couple people said, yeah, we coming to get chicken sandwich. Oh, my goodness. So she gets in line behind me. She said, excuse me, sir. Are those chicken sandwiches really that good? I said, I don't know. I haven't I haven't tried one, but there's only one way to find out. What are you here to get? Because, you know, she's rolling her eyes at everybody getting a chicken sandwich. Surely she's not here for that. Guess what? I was wrong. <laughs> That's exactly what she was there to get. I guess I can try one of these old nasty chicken sandwiches. You're already saying it's nasty. You haven't tried it yet. She's one of those kind of people, right? So she's going through the line. The line is moving really fast. About five minutes since standing into this line, she starts to puff. <sighs> oh, my God. I mean, they only got one register open. Now, to her, to her credit, they did only have one register open. I don't know why. I never worked at Popeye's. I only worked at Taco Bell, and I told y'all why I did that. And that was only about two weeks. I worked there for two weeks. Um, so I don't know why they only had one register open. But I would assume because it was not really taking a long time to get people through the line. And so she's standing there. Next thing she says, excuse me. Mind you, she's in the back of the line. She's been waiting the least amount of time. <laughs> Everybody in front of her has been there longer than she has. She's been waiting the least amount of time. She yells from the back, excuse me, where's the manager? I said, oh, my gosh, I just want a chicken sandwich. I don't want to die. I just want a Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. I don't want to die. And she, you know, the manager comes out. He's a nice guy. He says, yes, ma'am. He said, excuse me, I think it's ridiculous that y'all only have one register open. He said, well, I'm sorry, ma'am. The other cashier is on break, but as soon as she comes back, we're going to get you know, the line back open. Well, why can't she take a break? Y'all busy. I know when I worked, when I used to work at the grocery store, and people took a 
people couldn't take a break when we were busy. And I'm thinking, ma'am, they're going to be busy all day. Like, this is the new normal for Popeye's. People are going to be lining up to get this chicken sandwich for, I don't even know how long they can keep this going, for forever, right? Probably not for forever. I'll give it six months, maximum, three to six months. But anyway, um, there's not going to be a time where they're not busy today. So she has to take a break sometime. I understand that. She didn't understand that. And so next thing you know, two or three minutes later, a lady comes in and they open up another register. Now, this is where it gets a little more interesting because now you're opening up two registers, which means the orders are going to go into the queue at different times. So there could be a situation where somebody behind you gets their food before you because they went to the other register, right? I said that to say that's exactly what happened. And not only did the lady behind me go off, Another lady in front of me just started going off. Um, I don't understand. Now, mind you, everyone got, everyone has a ticket. A ticket has a number. Everyone knows their ticket number. You can look and say, look, I'm 382. You're 383. You're 384. You're 385. I should get my sandwich first. Well, she's yelling. Oh, I, this is so ridiculous. Y'all need to get y'all together. And y'all need to. And she's just cussing out the cashier because somebody that was behind her at first got a sandwich before her. And so she's going off, um, and then they call 383, I think, something like that. One person before me. So I know, based on my ticket, I'm next. The lady that was two people behind me comes up and grabs the food and starts to walk away. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's not her food. Like, there's no way that's her food. So the guy that actually has that number comes up to get his food, and now it's not there, and now we have an issue. Now, by the way, the lady hasn't left yet. She's refilling her drink. The drink that she already filled up once, but now she's going back to get a second. She's stealing drinks. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's stealing a drink. So not only are you stealing a drink, you're stealing food, right? So she's definitely one of the ones that will refill the drink before she leaves. So someone says, okay, we're looking for this bag of mission sandwiches. It has three sandwiches in there. So finally, somebody says, that lady over there got it. So she comes back, throws the sandwiches on the counter. She's upset. Now she wants to speak to the manager again because she's not getting her chicken sandwiches. When it's going in sequential order, lady, if you look at the number you have and the number they're on right now, it's right there for you. It's so simple. But she made it so difficult. And when I got my sandwich, I looked at my watch, and it had been roughly 15 to 16 minutes. That's it. It wasn't a super long wait, in my experience. Now, I've seen people say they waited for an hour, they waited for two hours, all these other things. But just the the, the mindset that you have going into it, knowing that it's going to be crazy, knowing that it's going to be these long lines, knowing all the hype around it, all the drama that's been surrounding it, I think that gets into people's head more than the actual wait does. I went up there uh, the other day just driving by, Again, not a lot of people in the line. It's not a thing that you have to get that angry over. And here's the thing. If you don't like what Popeye's is doing right now, just don't give them your money. It's really that simple. It's not something to go over and argue about because you don't know how fast food works. You're going to argue with one of the workers that they're not doing their job properly. And I want to give a shout out to this cashier. I don't know her name, but uh, she was there um a nice young lady while the lady was cussing her out she didn't say a word 
She just kind of looked at the lady like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this and turned around. The bad part was the, the shift supervisor, which I can only think that's who she was because she had a different color shirt on than everybody else. And she wasn't the manager because I already seen him. She came up there and started yelling at the cashier. Broke my heart. Started yelling at the cashier saying, listen, these people are angry, but you only have to deal with them for two minutes. You get two minutes. They get their order. You get them out the door and you never have to see them again. I need you to fix your attitude because people been saying that you have a bad attitude. She just unloaded on this chick and it wasn't her fault at all. It wasn't her fault at all. She didn't do anything wrong. The lady just doesn't know how she doesn't know how math works. She doesn't know that her number is going to come in the order that numbers work. Somebody should have schooled her on that. All over a chicken sandwich. She had two spicy chicken sandwiches. So I said all that to say, if you're going to go get a chicken sandwich, don't make it this big deal. You're going to wait in line. Be prepared for the wait. Play Candy Crush on your phone or something. Scroll through your timeline. That's all you would be doing if you was at home anyway. Bring a pair of headphones. Go watch Dolomite on Netflix or something. Like, do something else with your time other than yelling at the poor lady making 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 dollars an hour or something like that. Don't do that, right? They're stressed out. They, <laughs> I'm seeing all of these memes that the cashiers bent over like Jordan in the flu game. It's hilarious, but on a real note, let's, let's not kill people over a chicken sandwich, right? And I will say this too, and I'm gonna get off of Popeye's chicken sandwiches because I didn't spend, I didn't expect to spend this much time on chicken sandwiches. But uh, I do want to also say that the majority of the violence that I've seen about at Popeye's has not been about the chicken sandwiches. Like you seen the white lady that got slammed on her head outside of the. That wasn't about chicken sandwiches. They just stole her chicken sandwiches after it was over. She called somebody the N word. That's a completely separate situation. You don't want to call nobody the N-word, okay? Another situation, white guy called somebody the N-word, slammed him, beat him up, took his chicken sandwiches. Now, chicken sandwiches just happened to be there. Wasn't necessarily the motivation behind the violence. It was just in the ambiance and the atmosphere of the violence, which makes me think they're probably putting something in these chicken sandwiches. But I don't know. I ate one. It was pretty good. It was probably... I would say it's the best chicken sandwich you can expect to get from a fast food restaurant, if that makes sense. If that put it in any context for you, it's not like the the. I could say it's the greatest chicken sandwich that I've ever had, but how often do you just go eating chicken sandwiches, right? Grandma wasn't just cooking up a bunch of chicken sandwiches. She wasn't putting chicken thighs in between two pieces of bread like that. You know what I mean? With spicy mayo and pickles. So I I don't know. It's nothing really to compare it to other than Chick Fil A. And I would just say it looks, it's just completely different. Like the Chick-fil-A sandwich is Chick-fil-A chicken. I think it's even a different cut of the chicken that Popeye's is using. And it's like Popeye's spicy, crispy chicken sandwich. I don't know. I, I get the craze about it, but it's not like, it's it's not worth stabbing nobody over people. Come on. Let's let's do better than that. All right. Um, I want to talk to you guys about seeing the signs matter of fact i have theme music for this do you remember this song tell me if you do hey hey who remembers that think about it for a second in your head say what tv show was that from i'm gonna play it again for you guys hey that was the jam that is stephanie tanner from full house 
uh, her band Girl Talk. They were singing a song. You remember Uncle Jesse was trying to help her, was putting too much pressure on her. I think they performed at the school dance or something, and she just fell flat on her face. Hilarious. Not that she fell flat on her face, but the episode was hilarious. But I want to talk to you guys about seeing the signs because a lot of times there's evidence of things right in front of our face, and we don't see it until after the fact. And I want to let you guys know that in my case, sometimes I see it a little early. Sometimes I don't. Okay? Sometimes I see it early. Sometimes I don't. I'll give you a time where I didn't see it early. I look back at a picture of me and my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's 13 now, by the way. And uh, quick side note, I know I have like ADD on this podcast. My daughter called me right before I started recording this podcast saying that some boy was uh, pulled on her hair and like, swung a punch at her in school now i'm all the way on the other side of the country so immediately i'm like okay let me let me book a flight i'm out to go beat up an eighth grader and i'll be back for work in the morning can't do that so um i won't get into my familial advice of what i told her to do but that i'm just mentioning that because uh i gave her instructions she followed those instructions to a t Call me again. So I may be receiving another call during this podcast. Uh, I just want to put that out there in case it happens. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk about giving familial advice, how you run your household, giving that out to the public on podcasts. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But for now, I want to talk to you guys about seeing the signs. Me and my my oldest daughter, when she was young, maybe five, six years old, we took a picture at the bowling alley, right? Now in this picture, I thought I was looking amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. I had this little little jacket on, a black jacket with this red shirt on, the black jeans, the black and red kicks. I thought I was fly. But what I didn't see were the signs. I didn't see the signs. I saw the sign, and it opened up eyes. I saw the sign. The sign I didn't see was my hairline, y'all. My hairline was like, like this, just this side right here. This side right here was like doing a doing a pivot. It was doing a V cut. It was like my hairline was running baseline and said, "Nope." Came back out to the perimeter and ready to shoot the three. Uh, basketball reference for you guys. My hairline was doing something that was quite amazing, and I didn't see it. And apparently, other people didn't see it, or other people weren't honest with me. I didn't see the signs, and that's one of my biggest fears. I don't want to be so. Uh, I don't want to lack self-awareness so much that I can't see the signs. And so I want to do this segment on the podcast called I Saw the Signs, where we talk about some of the things that I see coming and that I hope you see too, because I think people see the signs. I just think people don't want to speak out about the signs. They don't want to say anything about the signs. But me, I'm going to say something about the signs when I see the signs. Let me give you the signs for this individual. Now, I'm not going to give you the name. I'm just going to give you the signs, and then we can get with the name. Okay, this individual has been known to be emotionally unstable. That's one sign. This individual has been seen on multiple occasions doing cocaine in public. Okay, now that's two signs. We got emotionally unstable over here, and we got cocaine over here, I'm going to give you the last sign. This person is selling all of their personal belongings in a yard sale outside of their house. Take a second. Think about who it is. I saw the sign. 
Will somebody tell me why Chris Brown is having a yard sale? Nobody's going to help Chris Brown. There's something going on with Chris Brown. Now, look, I love Chris Brown. From day one, Chris Brown was my man. He makes amazing music. I loved him even when he had the lisps. I loved him when he would talk and it sounded like he was had a sprinkler system in his mouth. I love Chris Brown. But if y'all don't see that something is going on with this man and nobody is helping him, this era of his life reminds me of the 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 heavy codeine, Wayne sipping syrup era of, of Wayne's life. Like when his people around him were just allowing him to fall off the edge before people eventually said something. And Wayne could be doing that now still. But when I see if this is one of my family members. And I said, okay, man, you're a little emotionally unstable, bro. We need to get you some help, right? That'd be the first thing we talked about. Then the next thing I see is you're doing cocaine in public. Now, listen, you shouldn't do cocaine in public or private, okay? Matter of fact, if you're doing cocaine, you deserve this wild ward. Oh, my God. Wow. You shouldn't be doing. Wow. That's stupid. You shouldn't be doing cocaine. Use your common sense. <laughs> okay. Whatever other, but what, what other button can I hit on here? It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. Whatever, whatever we gotta do. Matter of fact, rest in peace to Pops. I forgot I had that old there. Rest in peace to John Witherspoon. Whatever you do, you shouldn't be doing cocaine, whether it's in public or it's in private. Okay? I need to say that. But I also need to say that if you get to the point where you're doing it in public, you're in the middle of the club, you're standing there, you do a little bump, you do a couple of lines, you know, whatever you want to do, there should be people around you that should step up and help you and say, look, bro, this isn't cool. This is going too far. And then the next thing I see from Chris Brown, actually, let me reverse that. The next thing I see from Chris Brown is actually him running down a hallway uh, with security from seemingly no one. Chris Brown was doing the Bow Wow. Bow Wow was in the mall. Like, Yo, I think they see me. I think they see me. Y'all, I got to run. Bro, that's nobody behind you. Those girls are going to Forever 21. They don't even know who you are right now. I saw Chris Brown running in an empty hallway with his security. And then the next thing I know is he's having a yard sale. And nobody could tell me why Chris Brown is having a yard sale. Still to this day, I haven't heard what, like, what, does he need the money? If he does need the money, what is he doing with the money? He just put out, here's another sign. Matter of fact, here's another sign for the great almighty Chris Brown. Uh, he joined the gang after he got famous. That was a little, you know, and we could probably put that one in the emotionally unstable portion of the categories of the conversation. He also put out an album with 45 songs on it. Now, look, I don't know your experience with cokeheads or crackheads, but I will say the work ethic of a crackhead is tremendous. I'm just going to say that the work ethic of a crackhead is tremendous. Um, I once let a crackhead watch my windows for two Tic Tacs and uh, my little pony figurine. I don't know what he was going to do with that. I don't know what the, the black market value of a my little pony figurine, but my windshield was never so clean. Matter of fact, it ain't been clean that clean since. What I'm saying is they will work. I know, I know some people who was doing some things, you know, I'm going to be real, you know, real not descript. But I know some people who was doing some things that for the right amount of cigarettes, they would change the transmission in your car. I'm just saying, 
I'm just saying. What I'm saying is we got to start seeing the signs. I said when I did my interview with Fire, I said one of my biggest fears is with artists, they express themselves, right? They're really expressive. They normally live their life through their art. And in that, living their life through their art, a lot of times there are screams for help. And nobody can see the signs. But me, I saw the signs. I see the signs. I see the signs that somebody has to say something. If you know Chris Brown, if you're close to Chris Brown, please send him this video. Please send him this audio clip. Tell him that I see the signs and he needs to stop. Okay? He needs to stop. Let me tell you somebody else who's not okay. Denial is normally the first part of the problem. Somebody needs to tell Ja Rule that fire is not fire. It's just not fire. He is holding on to this fiery festival, fire festival, whatever you want to call it. He's trying to rework it and do another festival. He's trying to make fire an acronym for something that is not. Like, Ja Rule really needs to relax. Ja Rule is wilding on Twitter right now. Uh, let me go to one of these tweets that I saw from Ja Rule. Um, ja, ja Rule says, I'm so confused. Wait a minute, let me get my Ja Rule. I'm so confused. That's a horrible Ja Rule impression. <laughs> I don't do impressions. Ja Rule says, I'm so confused. I need my history majors on this. If the word nigger just means black, how did it become a derogatory term? Now, let me tell you something. Matter of fact, first I got to do this. Oh, my God. Wow. Ja. <laughs> ja. I wish I had the clip of Dave Chappelle saying, who cares what John Rue thinks at a time like this? Ja, this is not the time for you to start questioning the universe on history and things that are pretty much set in stone in our society. You, as a grown adult, as a grown male millionaire adult, you should know why a derogatory term such as nigger with the hard E-R. Sorry, if you listen to this with your kids, I'm, I apologize. Uh, but you shouldn't be listening to your kids with you know this anyway. But if you are curious as to why that's a derogatory term, I think there's a problem going on there. I'm just telling you now, there's something going on with Ja Rule. He also was in his conspiracy theory bag when he said that uh, he lives in a predominantly white neighborhood and he doesn't see Popeye selling chicken sandwiches there. I will tell you that when I was in that neighborhood, not his neighborhood, when I was in my neighborhood, which is not predominantly white, but when I was in that line, uh, there wasn't a, a clear uh, racial divide. There were uh, Asian people there. There were Hispanic people there. There were black people there and there were white people there. I think chicken is an American thing and not just an African-American thing. Uh, but I'm just telling y'all now, I don't know what it is. It's still early. Just one, just two signs. Uh, but there's something going on with Ja Rule. And there's something else that he, that he tweeted. Let me see if I can find it. Um, I invoke a different type of passion in people. No, you just say some stupid stuff. Uh, let me see if I can find his other tweet. He had an acronym for fire, which like, if you have a debacle that big, just let it go, bro. Like, just let it go. It's already your rap. Everybody's already on your head. Here's what it is. Fire for your real entertainment. 
No, bro. Only thing that was entertaining about that piece of work that you put together with whatever the criminal's dude's name was, was how bad it was. I'm just telling you guys, you got to see the signs when it comes to Ja Rule. Another person, you got to look for the signs. First of all, salute to Kevin Hart. He's back. He just accepted, uh, I think it was the People's Choice Award that was given to him by Iron Band, which is dope. I think it's dope. Robert Downey Jr. Um, But I'm going to be honest. Ever since he got into that car accident, I've been saying there's something fishy about the car accident. First, it was two people in the car with him. Then it was one other person. Then it was three other people. Um... Another thing that I thought was fishy, and I'm just seeing the signs. Another thing I thought was fishy was when they pulled up on him, uh, there was a guy that saw the accident and was saying that a van pulled up and essentially pulled Kevin out of the car, but left the other people in the car. Kevin was severely injured, as we all now know, uh, but instead of taking him to the hospital, they took him home. Just look at the signs. See the signs. Then when he gets home, his wife seems a rather bit perturbed. I would say that if my wife saw me coming from a car accident uh, and my spine was hanging out and fluids shooting all over everywhere, she may sound a little bit different on the 911 call than what she did in Nico and Kevin's case. I'm just saying, if you look at the signs, you got to see the signs. There's something funny going on over there. And then the other people that were in there, we didn't hear much about them. We didn't know if they went to the hospital, if they were okay. Uh, it seems like the, the initial report was it was two people in there and both of them went to the hospital. Then it was three and neither one of them were at the hospital. Then they just seemed just fine. Like nothing has come out. They haven't spoken to anybody. They haven't done anything. And then here's the final sign that I saw that I knew things were in trouble. I looked at his wife's Instagram page. I looked at her Instagram page and I started scrolling through. I said, let me go back to the date the accident happened. Anything Nico post about Kevin? Nope. Scroll a little bit more. Anything else? Nope. Matter of fact, all the pictures she's been posting have just been of her and her children. And she's looked as happy as I've ever seen her. While your man is laid up near dead, you're posting pictures solo. She on a bike looking happy. Don't be looking happy while I'm laid up in the hospital bed almost dead. If my spine is hanging out and I got liquid shooting from my back and I'm almost not uh, coherent and couldn't even be here right now, don't be posting pictures, happy alone, single pictures on your Instagram without saying a shout out to me. I would have loved to uh, a get well soon post. You're going to post something? Post a get well soon post. Post something about me. I was thinking about this for a while, right? And I wonder, like, why does she look so happy? I think Kevin was on some bull, okay? Just between us. This is just, you ain't got to say there's nobody else. This is just, this, I'm seeing the signs. I think Kevin was on some bull. He got into this little accident, doing some stuff he ain't had no business doing anyway. And now she happy because karma kicking your butt. I ain't even got to kick your butt now, <laughs> That's the worst when karma gets you before your girl can get you, and now she just laughed. She helped you a little bit, but not really willingly. You know, she just laughed a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> karma kicking your butt. Then I saw she finally posted a picture with the two of them together. And this is after his video came out. His video returned back to Instagram, I guess. I don't know. 
And in the picture, it was thought it was very, very interesting that um, it wasn't a picture that she took. It wasn't a picture that they necessarily took together. It was a selfie. It was a, it was a ussy that Kevin took. He grabbed the phone. Come on, babe. Take a picture for the gram. That's exactly what it looked like. Like he coerced her into taking a picture. And as far as I know, Kevin posted that picture. I don't even know if <laughs> if she was even involved. She probably got on Instagram later. It's like, what? Why am I getting all these notifications? Who posted this picture? Kevin, why did you post this picture of us? I'm just saying there's something fishy going on. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of it. Maybe we'll never know. But at least you saw the signs. All right, speaking of the signs, we're going to transition a little bit here. I hope you guys like that new segment. It's fun for me. You want to see my dance moves, you got to watch it on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search In My Own Words podcast and search Tony R. Sanders. Um, we got to talk about T.I., man. We, we have to talk about T.I. Tip. Now, let me give some context to what we're talking about just in case you're not familiar, and then we can go a little bit deeper. T.I. was on a podcast, and I wish... I had uh, the girls' names, the two girls on the podcast, um, and I don't even remember the name of their podcast, but I watched it, or I'm sorry, I listened to it, and I would love to give them some credit because they did uh, issue an apology and they did delete the episode after the fallout of the podcast, and I heard a lot of bigger outlets talking about the content that they created, but not talking about them, and that I always hate that, right, when the big, you know, the hot 97s of the world and the breakfast clubs of the world and, you know, all these people start to talk about you. Oh, my son's calling. Hold on. Tay Tay. What's up? What's up, dude? Good. How was school? Good. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm recording my podcast. I'm going to call you back, okay? Okay. Say hi to the people. What's up? All right. Love you, dude. Love you, bye. All right, that's my son right there. So look, I'm uh, listening to this podcast, and T.I.'s talking about his family. You know, they talk about the the, the TV show, and he's talking about his sons and his daughters. And they they stumble upon this topic of, uh, you know, T.I. mentioning he goes to the doctor with his daughter uh, annually on her birthday ever since she turned 16. And... um, I don't know another way to say it other than he, he checks to see if she's still a virgin by checking to see if her hymen is intact. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I didn't know what a hymen was until T.I. said it. T.I. has a vast vocabulary. He is uh, wonderfully articulate. He is an amazing guy, from what I can tell. Um, and that's what he does. Now, I don't think that I'm I'm not the hymen guy. I'm not the guy to talk. I like I I still really don't know what a hymen is. Um but it was his way of trying to protect his daughter, so to speak, or really protect his mental, uh, which we'll talk about. Um and, you know, do that with his daughter. It's even weird to talk about. Like I'm 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 kind of stumbling and stammering through this because it's just a it's just kind of a weird conversation or situation to, to to have and talk about publicly. And I want to say that that was Tip's first mistake. Whatever you do from a parenting standpoint, from a parental standpoint, I believe is your business until you make it our business, right? And this is what I mean by that. 
I'm not of the belief that I should be able to tell other parents how to parent. However you want to raise your kids is your business until you start to publicize how you raise your kids, right? The way my mind works is I, I love making content, right? I, one of my goals in life, my, my whole goal in life is to be able to uh, create things that inspire people. And one of big parts of my life, as you just saw with the phone call from my son, is my children and how I parent them and the, 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 the tools that I give them and the, the approaches that I take to different situations. There have been times where I've, I've filmed my children and some of the more serious conversations that we've had. But something stops me from pushing that publish button because I know once I publish it, it's no longer my video or my content piece. It belongs to the world now. Even if only seven people see it today, that stuff exists forever, right? I was watching a video about filmmaking, and it was saying that, that that film that you're making, that you're creating, is your film until you release it. Once you release it, you're letting it go. It belongs to the world now. This podcast episode is mine in the moment right now where I'm creating it. I'm having fun. I'm being loose. I'm saying whatever. But as soon as I hit that publish button, it doesn't belong to me now. Now you have to take it. You're going to consume it. You're going to digest it. You're going to think what, you know, what I meant here and what I was trying to say there. And, you know, it, it belongs to you now. And so I think Tip's first mistake is taking something so private within his life and giving it to the world. Because once you give it to us, now it's, it's uh, available for judging and scrutiny. Now, he may not care about that. That may not alter the way he runs his household at all. And if it doesn't, salute to him. More power to him. That's still, again, that's his business, right? But it becomes a weird thing once you publish it. Because once you publish it, then people like me, we come on here and talk about it and we can dissect it and maybe even give it more thought than you did, right? So that was his first mistake. His other mistake was this. And I... I I, it, it was kind of hard to decipher. She's she's 18 now. He said he hasn't done it for her 18th birthday, but he did it when she was 16. So maybe this has happened once, or maybe it's happened twice. But one thing I know is that his daughter does sign a consent form, which I think he may have said that in an effort to just say that she's okay with it or kind of insinuate that. But I know with having a 13-year-old daughter, I can make her sign whatever I want her to sign. You know what I mean? Like, I, I still have that type of uh, influence in her life that if I needed her to sign something, she's going to sign it even if she doesn't feel like signing it. I make her clean her room and she doesn't feel like cleaning her room. Like, it's just a it's just a thing that dads have. But I don't think that it's it, see, it makes it tough. I don't I don't think that that's something that Tip should be doing to try to protect his daughter from not having sex right now i come from the oscar proud school of parenting if you don't know what i mean by that then listen to this no dating until after you're married that's exactly what i tell my daughter <laughs> no dating until after you're married now it's not because i don't want her to date i say that and it's a joke and it's a joking manner and i don't know if ti was joking or not um if he was, it was a bad joke and it fell flat and it didn't, it didn't, they were laughing about it and throwing out this podcast, they were taking shots, they were drinking. So I'm sure this is like at the 44, 45 minute part of the podcast. It's deleted now. So you can't go back and watch it. But 
he might have been pretty well sauced at this point of the the conversation, right? So I don't know if he was joking or not, but I say that in jest to my daughter all the time, just as a way of saying, like, hey, I want you to go into this thing eyes wide open. I want you to go into this thing knowing what you're getting into. And as of now, I don't feel like you're there. And as a father, I may never feel like you're there. Now, there were a lot of people commenting on this particular issue that I don't feel like we're qualified to speak about it. And what I mean by that is this. It's different when you are a father of a daughter. It's completely different. I know you could be a mom and you have daughters. And I got into this argument with somebody on Twitter. I'm not saying that moms don't love their daughters the same. I'm not saying that moms don't have feelings for their daughters and don't, don't want their daughters to be safe and be protected. And But as a man, here's my perspective. I know what I did to somebody's daughter. Let's just let's just let's just step right in it. Let's not even beat around the bush. I know what I did to somebody's daughter. Somebody's daughter's texting me right now. <laughs> My wife is texting me right now. Like I understand what I did to somebody's daughter. And just to think that I'm going to allow that to happen to my daughter at such a young age is repulsive. It's not something that you want to think about or accept when it comes to your daughter, the one that you love the most, right? Uh, If you remember the episode of T.I.'s podcast, Expeditiously, with uh, Tiny on there, his wife, she was talking about his karma of how he's treated women coming back to haunt him through his daughters. That is something that every man with daughters thinks about. That haunts us. We think about, okay, what if the dirt that I did when I was less of a man, when I was less educated, when I was less um, aware of the the impact of my actions, what if that stuff comes back to bite me in the butt through the essence of someone doing the same thing to my daughter, right? What I did to somebody else's daughter effectively. That's a big deal. And so I understand wanting to protect and wanting to safeguard your daughter at all costs because you want to make sure that those things don't happen to her or even worse, right? I understand my daughters are going to have sex. Based on my Christian beliefs, I hope that they have it after they're married. Did I wait till after I was married? Absolutely not. I had two baby mamas before I was married. I ended up marrying one of them, so I only got one now. But just to show you how I was living, that's how it was, right? So I didn't wait. But do I want better for them? And do I think it would be better if they did wait and only gave their flower to one person? I personally do. Now, to go as far uh, as to go to the doctor and try to check and that that's that's taking control into a whole nother level i get the sentiment but it ain't right it's like the chris rock joke oh no that ain't right but i understand right (laughs) it i i get the feeling of wanting to protect your daughter at all costs and wanting to make sure that the values that you try to instill within her are still within her no pun intended um I understand the the feeling of saying, look, I need to make sure that you are upholding your word the way that you're upholding your word. It's not outside of the norm for uh, people, especially in 
uber religious households to even um how oh, monetize is not the right word incentivize their daughters with some type of incentive saying hey if you remain chaste uh up until this period then there will be this type of reward for you i don't believe in that type of system what i believe in is educating them or uh, and this this is this goes outside of daughters and I was going to say, that's that was the other mistake I was going to say. Tip holds this standards to his daughters, but not to his son. My son just called me. We've had the sex talk already. I've, I've let him know my expectations when it comes to his dealings with the opposite sex. It's, I, I run the same line across all variables of my, my children. It's not a personality-based thing. It's not a gender-based thing. And I think Tip messed up on that case. Um... I understand wanting to make sure that that happens, but I also understand the value and importance of education. I always take the route of, I'm going to educate my kids. I'm going to arm them with information. I'm going to say, look, here's, here's A, here's B, here's C. You can choose whatever you want to choose because this is your life. And ultimately, I'm going to have a stake in that. I'm going to have a part in that, but it's still going to be your life to live. And you're going to be living that life far after I'm gone. So I want to educate you on the right things to do. I want to set a standard and an expectation of what I expect for you. But for me to think that I could somehow control and back check the things that my kids do when I'm not around, it's just, it's ridiculous. I get the sentiment. I understand. As a dad, I understand not wanting to ever face that truth that, man, something is happening. I was with a buddy and uh, he's married, right? And I'm in his apartment with his mom. And uh, uh, some music comes on or whatever. And a joke is being made about lovemaking, right? Just because of the, the song that was on. And even as this guy is a grown adult male married to his wife for over a year, I believe even over two years, and their mom is in their home, she still cringed at the idea that her son is having sex. You see what I mean? Like that feeling is not going to go away. And I would say, and I only have one side of this story, I would say it intensifies when it comes to your daughters. I would say that. Matter of fact, let me see uh, how long have we been doing this podcast? Uh, well, we got time. We're not even in an hour yet. Let me see if I can call um, my cousin because he has daughters. And I want to hear, I just want to hear from the, from the men who have daughters about how they're dealing with these situations. I want to hear, I don't want to hear from the, the, the mom, you know, no disrespect. I just don't think that you're going to, I don't think this is going to register with you the same. I don't want to hear from the people who don't have anybody. You know, I want to hear from the people who are in a similar situation uh, as myself and as T.I. Let's see if I can get him on the phone. I got to put on my radio voice, tell him he's the 19th caller. Oh, he's not even going to answer. Oh, failure. I know he'll call back. Please leave your... I know he'll call back. Yeah, but I just want to hear... There's a bigger conversation that needs to be had about the the feeling that men have when it comes to the daughters or 
men's feelings in general. I was having this conversation with someone because um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. We had a program, a, a men's program at church, and we've been going through these series about how to be a godly man, a godly father, a godly husband, right? And um, one of the things that I felt like was a roadblock for me just as a man was lacking the ability to express my emotions and my feelings, right? I'm a very expressive person, as you guys all know, watching and listening to this podcast. I can articulate myself uh, pretty well in most cases. I know what I want to say. I know the best way to say it, to deliver it to you, except for when it came to my emotions. My wife would ask me things, um, you know, how do you feel about that? I'm like, how do I feel? That's not even, that hasn't even crossed my mind yet, right? That hasn't even hit the the top of my brain to say, how do I feel about this thing, right? In in my case, it's just like, man, it is what it is. You move on, you, you, you do without it, you keep going and whatever, you know, it is what it is. But that's always been an issue for me, right? And I don't know what it is. I can't remember, you know, I sit on a therapist's couch and say, in your childhood, were you ever... I remember my parents encouraging me to express myself, but I also grew up in the late 80s and the early 90s, right? And you got a lot of boys don't cry and boys don't do this and boys don't do that, right? And so you, it's hard not to fall into those things. And so it's easy for me to say, yeah, I've been victim to that and that's why uh, I'm not as expressive with my emotions. But I would also say that it intensified after my mom passed away. My mom passed away in 2015 and that just like took a lot out of me emotionally. And so it was difficult for me to express my emotions before that became even more difficult after that. So this weekend, I felt like I had this this big um, emotional breakthrough, right, where I've, I'm finally getting more in touch with my emotions, uh, being able to identify them and also being able to express them. Now, when you have uh, and I'm teaching that to my son early, too, right? Because uh, I'll ask him, how you, how you doing? Good. How was school? Good. You feeling all right? Yeah, I'm good. Like, nah, bro, you need to be able to articulate yourself and express how you're feeling, especially when you're mad, you're frustrated, you're excited even, whatever that is, be able to express that. Um, but, and and I, I'm thinking because I, I see that in my son now. He'll be excited to get something for his birthday, but not want to show it. Like, it'll be exactly what he asked for. He'll open it, and his eye, you see the flicker in his eyes. Like, his eyes will light up really big. And then he'll just kind of like, thanks, Dad, and just like be really reserved with it. And it's one of those things where I'm seeing myself in him, and I want him to be better. I want him to be more expressive about his emotions. And so uh, I'm working on me so that I can help my kid with that, right? I'm, I'm becoming more uh, in touch with my emotions and be able to express them and articulate them and even identify what emotion I'm feeling Um because I think that's a big thing that a, for a, a man to do. And when men aren't able or are not capable in the moment of expressing those emotions, what typically comes out uh, instead is aggression. Because we are taught from childhood up to be aggressive. And we are much more comfortable fueling our ego and beefing ourselves up with our aggression than we are with expressing our emotions right it's much easier to show you that i'm mad than it is for me to show you that i'm sad it's like being mad being angry being hot-headed that's become acceptable uh in society for men to do
it's almost expected, right? When you see a man out in public, something happens around him or to his girl, he's expected to be the one that is, you know, beefed up and goes and handles the situation, right? Um, but if a guy was sad, you'd be like, yo, what's what's wrong with this guy? Like, he's he's sick. Something's wrong with him. He's not right. You know what I mean? And so it, it, it's a bigger conversation that we need to have around T.I.'s hymen maneuver or whatever. It's a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, it, I'm trying to I'm trying to be expressive, y'all. Just stick with me. It's a, it's a bigger it's a, it's a conversation's bigger than the hymen maneuver. Okay, it's bigger than him going to the doctor. That is the 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 symptom, but there is a bigger issue at play, and I think that that issue resides with within all men. Um. One of the things that I love about one of my, my friends, Austin, which uh, we did the two mugs in a movie review, I don't know, a, a while ago about uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, but he's expressive with his emotions, right? He's he, I feel like he's really in touch with his emotions and he's able to express them, which is a place that I want to try to get to uh, as a man to be able to express those emotions and not always, you know, just be comfortable with expressing the aggressive side of things and the, you know, the the super uh, macho ego side of things. And I think that that is rooted deeper in you if you grow up in the type of circumstances that we've known T.I. to grow up in and to a lesser degree, I grew up in. Like, I grew up in a house that you couldn't sit on the couch in the front room after 10 p.m. at night because drive-by shootings were going on. I grew up in a house where I got shot at walking home from school. I grew up in a house where it wasn't a thing to... Uh, see guns and you know fights and all of this type of aggression like I grew up in that type of a neighborhood I remember when we moved out of that neighborhood I couldn't sleep for the first couple of nights because I was used to police sirens putting me to bed at night I would I, my house my my room was like near my window was near an alley and I would hear police chasing people through the alley uh, as I was going to sleep and that became my lullabies right so when you grow up in that, it gives you this hard shell that you have to form as a survival mechanism. So you're not used to sharing the vulnerabilities of your life. You're used to only showing the aggressive. And I think one of the vulnerabilities of your life when you become a dad, especially a dad to daughters, is somebody's going to mess over my daughter. Somebody's going to violate my daughter. Somebody's going to take advantage of my daughter. Somebody's going to have sex with my daughter and then never call her again or never text her back. Someone's going to one night stand my daughter. All these things, even saying it now is like an emotional thing because you want to try to protect that and you feel like it's your job as a man to protect that. And instead of uh, what T.I. could have done is sit down with his daughter and have a conversation and say, look, here's my fear. Here's where I'm vulnerable about. And I'm not saying that he didn't do this, right? Because I don't know. But this is what I'm vulnerable about. This is what I'm worried about. This is what keeps your dad up at night. I'm concerned with these things. Let's have a conversation about these things, why these things are important, and why they keep me up at night. That would have been a better way of going about it than what will now and forever be known as the Hyman Maneuver. All right. I love you guys. I appreciate you uh, tuning into the podcast. Yet again, um, a good conversation, man, a conversation that I think we need to continue 
and maybe it needs to come up again as men just expressing ourselves um, and our vulnerabilities, you know what I mean, to each other and just be being comfortable in our skin in that way. So I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Peace.